0: Hi, it's Friday now. I just finished the lecture, so now let's get to the podcast, the tyranny of the schedule. Let me just say that this is Parshas Picude getting close to Purim, look at that. And there are two points I would think of when it comes to Parshish Pekude. Uh Every year I come to this. One is a famous line from Yunus and which makes total sense, and that is, Parshavikudah, as we all know, is when Moshe Arbain was required to give an account. A lot of money went through his hands, right? It says they were so packed with gold and silver and copper and other matters back in Parshavikudah that they had to say, enough, don't give any more. So, fine. And then they actually constructed the Mishkan. And now they have maybe leftover, maybe they don't have leftovers, and so Moshe has to give a pakudi an account of how money was spent. There were, the Chazal say, or Jews who said, you know, Moshe's keeping the money. It's always the way it is. Whenever there's some kind of, it, the rabbi has the money, the president has the money, and they used it for a vacation, you know, in Paris or something like that. And so what's Moshe doing with the money? And indeed, it is true that, uh, you know, there's a marriage, there was like some little discrepancy, and he had to explain, I used it for the, the, vovim, the sockets, which means there are really jerks sitting around there taking notes. And, uh, you know, the math and science types. And wanted to see if Moshe is spending the money exactly. You know, it's not $375 million, 422 cents. It's actually 23 cents. You know, that type of person. And that's who the Jews are. What are you going to do about it? And Yom understand Apshet says, This is why Moshe only gives an account, Mepharshim Notice, of the uh, kesem and the choshes, not the gold, dissolved. Why not dissolved? That's where the most money is. And he said... This is Yona Sevchits now. He says there are three types of givers. There's the guys that give big checks, the guys that give little checks, and then little schlumps that give them a shulach twenty-five cents and they say, "Let me see your teuda from a him. You know that type. Uh, they give a guy a nickel and they pour him a cup. Those are the ones you got to worry about. The people that cut the big checks either they believe in your project, or, you know, let's say yeshiva or TA or some big, you know, worthy cause. You know, obviously Israel says. We have this and this project, and they approach somebody who's got money and said, we'd like you to give $100,000. The guy either believes him or he doesn't. That's all. And if he says, I know you, and this is a project I want to get involved in, I'm writing you a check, and I'm not looking for the count and all that. I either trust you or I didn't trust you, I wouldn't give you the money in the first place. So the type of people, Yom know, Sainz says, who give the Gizahov, they said to Moshe, here's the gold, you do it the best you see, we trust you, otherwise we wouldn't give you this kind of money. But little schlumps who gave the you know. And the cast, I said, I got there to one side. So it's like the guy who owns two shares of stock in General Motors. And when it comes to the meeting of the, you know, shareholders, he stands up and demands an account and gives it for, old, for a drag cup, As if, uh, he could, this is the way it goes. Why is the should say this? He was a role for many years. He dealt with many communities back in the 18th century. And he obviously knew the Balabatum. And what he says, the way it goes. And this, how you know, the Torah is true. Because the human character doesn't change. Dissolve people we will always have, and they're the big—they're the ones who who make the big things happen. But the little guys want to know what happened with the extra twenty-five cents left over from the soda you purchased for child soldiers. You know that type of individual. That's like a funny part. But at the end of the parsha of is one of the really difficult passages in the entire Bible, in my personal opinion. That's all you ever get, because this is after they set up the Mishkan, they erected it. So then it says by you perhaps recall this, that once they set everything up, the onon, the cloud, filled the Oomoid. Oh, Ukvod Hashem, and the glory of God, whatever that means, filled the Mishkan. How's it go? anon? Moshe couldn't enter because it was too thick. Mishkan. Because it was full of the Mishkan. And so you get the image from this passage, to of passages that uh Basically, the Mishkan was already filled with, like, a big cloud, and it was so thick that you couldn't actually walk into it. And therefore, Moshe, and that's how the story ends. I mean, it, then it goes on to say, this is the way it was for the rest of the time. How uh, how's it going Mishkan, Yisrael, something like that, This is the way you get used to it. This is how it operated. You could not go in there when you saw the Kavad Hashem. And this is usually taken, obviously, to be a sign that appeared, and... The screen up here is, it means that God approves. Please. And so you built the Michigan, all the rest of it, and everything's great. But uh, what exactly is going on over here? Was there a fa- uh, uh, let me ask you, as I said before, is this a meteorological cloud? Which, by the way, you can go into. Nowadays, we have airplanes. They didn't have them long ago. And so, you know, you can cut right through a cloud. I don't know what people thought about thousands of years ago when they saw a cloud all the way up in the sky. Maybe they thought it's hard or impenetrable or something like that. I don't know. But we know what it is today. So what's going on over here? That's a good question. And what's the meaning of that the, the the cloud filled the Mishkan? Moshe couldn't go in the cloud. We remember perhaps that last week, or a couple weeks ago, when they gave the Ten Commandments, and then it says Moshe was called up for 40 days and 40 nights, but first he had to be in a cloud, and he couldn't go in until he was given permission to enter the cloud. But then he was given permission, and he was in a cloud, as I say before, for 40 days and 40 nights. And, uh, you know, we're dealing with the idea that Moshe Revena was taking a shower in, in some kind of a... a uh, a moisture, a meteorological cloud. The Abarbanel is the guy that goes into this in a big way. I remember this. He has a long treatment of this because it's worthy of treatment. And I remember, he said, I'm afraid to, let me just look here. I'm afraid to uh, deal, mess with this because he's dealing with recondite material. Loma Here it is. I don't see anybody among the farsham explains it. Therefore, Amarty in a bossy I'm going to give it my best shot. The Barber and I will say, K'vi HaSvar Levaro. Using common sense, var HaYishara, and Torah HaShkafa. Obesom L'vavi V'Nikyon Kapai HaDavar, Ashi Yisim Elhim B'Fiyo And going with a pure heart and sincere intention, I'm going to tell you what God shares with me. In other words, what I come up with. And uh, I hope I get it right. And he goes on to say, and as I said before, as far as far, far I'm aware, I don't know, totally research this. But over the years, I noticed in the environmental, as far as I'm aware, he says that the cloud is not a, a meteorological cloud. He actually uses those words from an adim. It's not a cloud, cloud, natural cloud form from water vapor. But it's a, it, it's a cloud that goes back to Sheshamia Brasius. So if I understand him correctly, I have to look at it inside. If you look at the very beginning of Brasius, you'll notice two things. You'll notice Vayim Rahim he or that at the very beginning God said, let there be light. But it also says, Bechosher HaPanei that was a darkness. Now again, this is a light and a darkness, which is not identical with you and I ordinarily talk about light and darkness, which is a matter of, of, of the spectrum of colors. Because colors and all that doesn't come until a couple of days later in the creation, as we all know. And so the sun, the moon, and you know, the, which provides the physical light, as we call it, and uh, therefore the absence of it is called darkness, or whatever... That comes mm-hmm. later in the creation account, does it not? And so, what are we talking about over here? Mm-hmm. And this is called the Or HaGonus, mm-hmm. the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the, mm-hmm. the hidden light that God uh, pushed away for it, the saddikim, lost it, love So fine, let the term light, as I've mentioned many times before, I think, refer to some kind of supernal knowledge. So what's the darkness? So is it ignorance? No. So the is going to try to develop along the lines that the Choshech has to do with a cloud that was created in the six days of creation the same way Mm -hmm. that the uh, or was, I'm sorry, in the first day of creation. And just as the the light, the uh, knowledge, is reserved for future times, so the cloud, that is to say the mystery, you know, the the paradox of being able to contact God, which is not a matter of light, apparently, but a matter of dark. Isn't that an interesting way of thinking about it? And again, it doesn't mean the dark that you and I think of in terms of physical light and darkness. But this mystery, I suppose, is the best way to approach it, um, is how you get to God. And Moshe couldn't uh, go in that way until he was uh, you know, given permission or there's different interpretations of the Chazal of how that worked. Did he go into the cloud? Did he not go into the cloud? Did he have to wait? Was he uh, on the outside? But is a very, <laughs> not to be funny, it's a dark and mysterious episode that we're talking about over here, that... Uh, some, what should I say, metaphysical creation. this it's not physical, it's not in time and space, but nevertheless, it's real. It's a mystical assertion we're talking about over here, which goes all the way back. This is what was in the Mishkan. And the best I can make of that, at least at this moment, is that the whole Mishkan, as we know, and the in General is a paradox. How can you have a physical place where God's located, when God is the antithesis of space? But the very nature of the creation of man requires that man be able to identify God in some spatial fashion, even if at the same time he pinches himself and philosophically says, God is not spatial. That's who we are. In the same way, I can't help but think about God in some fashion. That's what he wants me to do. That's what we're told in the Torah. You should think about God, love him, and fear him, and think about him all the time, even though paradoxically we can't, because it's beyond our house And so it turns out to be, let's say, the or, which represents what God really is, is beyond our understanding. And then the Choshech, which is a lesser, which is not exactly what God is, but it's, it's the way man can connect with or have an idea about God. And without that, you have no religion, you have no Torah. So we operate on two levels, the Or and the Choshech. And the Kvod Hashem Molly Samishkan, it, it, it says there was a cloud in daytime, was a light at nighttime to illuminate the cloud. This interplay between knowledge based on understanding, and a knowledge that you say, there's something there, I can't understand it, but I, I can perceive it's there. Uh, this, what they call Oren Choshech, is what lies at the very heart of the Mishkan. That's a highly philosophical concept, and if it says Moshe couldn't go in, it says Moshe had trouble with it in the beginning. By the end of the Chomish, Moshe's going in sometimes. That's my, my understanding. But certainly when the Mishkan was built, Moshe is trying to <laughs> understand this very concept. Shlomo HaMalch later on says, I I built you a splendid house, but I don't know where how you live here, because the heavens can't encompass you, meaning God doesn't live in heaven. He created heaven. And so the, the Mishkan, which was directed by God, how to build it. And he did approve it, because the Shechina comes in there. This is uh, a, you know, a, a standing symbol of the paradox that God commands. I'll say it again, the paradox that God commands. Which is like really interesting, because you turned the story of just the building of, a, of something into into something real. Whether this is God himself, it can't be. The Shekhinah is not God. The Shekhinah is something created by God. Now, the truth of the matter is, that's Amachogus Rashi. And I'm sorry, the Rambam versus the Ramban. And I don't understand the Ramban at all. It's the Ramban in uh, back in Parshavai Gish, a very famous Ramban. But the Rambam, and I'm sure the Barbara and many others, will say, there's God, and then there's the Shekhinah. The shkinah is created by God, just like everything else is created by God. And the shkinah mm-hmm. is something, is a word that I can understand. The shkinah is a mm-hmm. word I can say. The shkinah is a, a word that you can use. If it's a word you can use, it can't be God. Do you, does that make any sense? If it's a word that you can use and understand, it can't be God, because he created all the ideas. So if I've left you confused, that's actually a good sign, and hopefully it'll lead you, I'm serious about this, it'll lead you to look at the very end, the Parsha of Skip the other parts, you won't have time this Shabbos. But look at the very end, the last four or five Sukim, and bang your head against it, and think along the lines I've just suggested, and I believe you'll come up with some very mature and powerful um, ideas, which, after all, is what the uh, Torah is all about. The story begins with the Jews in slavery, and it ends by saying that there's this, uh, you know, light, and, uh, you know, Le'enikol that the, the anna, the cloud that I just described, this mm-hmm. interplay between the light and the darkness, accompanied him all through the desert. It's even better. It says, in the daytime was the a cloud, and at nighttime was a fire that's light, illuminating the presence of the cloud that you couldn't see in the darkness. So that's, like, really heavy. But that's all I have time for now, so have a good Shabbos. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbydovidkatz.com.